The Atlantic Ocean is a source of wealth for Brazil. It is where Brazil drills 85% of its oil, 75% of its natural gas and gets 45% of its fish. That's why the Brazilian Navy calls the country exclusive economic maritime zone our Blue Amazon. Just like the rainforest, it is extremely rich in biodiversity and minerals, and it will always be a major source of revenue for Brazil. That explains why the country is trying to extend its territorial sea and is investing in military technology to increase its offshore presence. And that includes getting our very own nuclear submarine. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, Editor-in-Chief of the Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. Ewan Marshall, hello. Hi, Gustavo. Have you ever heard of the Lobster War? No, I can't say I have. Oh, it's the name given to one of the worst moments in Brazil-France relations by far. Uh, if people thought recent fights between Jair Bolsonaro and Emmanuel Macron were bad, well, they're nothing compared to the Lobster War. Uh, it started in 1961 when French fishermen in Mauritania in Western Africa decided to set sail in the direction of the Brazilian coast. And they started catching lobsters in the state of Pernambuco, which is in the northeast of Brazil. So the Brazilian Navy sent two corvettes to ward the French boats off, but not only did they stand their ground, they were also backed up by French warships sent from Paris, and believe it or not, the main controversy concerned whether lobsters crawl or swim. Right, go on. So this was a dispute with millions of dollars on the line, actually, if you believe it. Uh, the French said lobsters swim, meaning they weren't part of Brazil's continental shelf. Brazil, of course, said the opposite. Actually, a Brazilian Navy expert said that to say that lobster swims when he leaps on the seafloor would be like calling a kangaroo a bird, saying that when it hops, the kangaroo is actually flying. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, no, and in the end, the dispute was all about uh, Brazil's control over its territorial sea, which is the theme for today's show. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the story you've just enlightened me of, actually, it has everything to do with one of Brazil's main claims internationally, which is its plan to extend so-called territorial sea, which is what we call the area in the ocean where Brazil has exclusive economic rights. And a 1994 UN convention established a limit of 200 miles for territorial sea. And until 2004, countries could bid for an extension based on like geological studies. And Brazil was quite successful in its bid, but only partially. Why only partially? Well, until now, the United Nations gave exclusive rights to a maritime territory of 3.6 million square kilometers. And in this area, Brazil is allowed to carry out economic activities. It can build artificial islands. It can build offshore facilities for protecting marine life and among other things. And how much more does Brazil want? So Brazil at the moment has 3.6 million square kilometers. It wants to increase that area to 4.5 million square kilometers, which would add more land close to its shores in the north and northeast. And what is the economic potential of this new area outside of the 200-mile limit? 
Well, these geological studies we were talking about earlier, they suggest that these kind of extraterritorial reserves might have up to 30 billion prospective barrels of oil and gas. And if that's confirmed, that would almost double the potential pre-salt reserves that the country already has. But actually, how accurate are these estimations? Well, that's the million or billion dollar question here, because these numbers are based on seismic research, which is like a like an ultrasound of the ground below. It's the very first step in prospecting oil reserves. And if they wanted to know any more, to get any closer to the real figure, Brazil would have to drill very, very deep wells, uh, which is, you know, quite costly and quite risky. But I understand Brazil is not necessarily deterred by that. Not exactly, no. Uh, We reported earlier in the year that the Brazilian government is mulling over the idea of auctioning off its deep water oil reserves beyond this 200 nautical mile limit which the UN has established, which would be the first time ever that these reserves are sold. And the National Petrol Agency has already recommended that the government include these areas in the 2020 pre-salt auctions, which are, in theory, in international waters. But is that even legal? Well, some scholars say that there is some legal precedent for this, and the Navy is kind of banking on the fact that the UN will accept Brazil's bid to extend its seas. And I mean, that would be huge, because the economic potential of these new areas goes, you know, it's beyond oil. There's also the prospect of finding cobalt, manganese, all that sort of stuff. Which has led the Navy to call the region the Blue Amazon in the first place. Exactly, the Blue Amazon. After the break, Brazil's plan for a green and yellow nuclear submarine. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Lucas Berti and I work at the Brazilian Report. Do you like the Explaining Brazil podcast? Then please... Rate our show on whatever platform you may be listening to. And don't forget to share it with your friends and co-workers. Many people write us asking how they can support this show. The best way is by subscribing to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. You can enjoy a 7-day free trial and subscription plans start at only $3.90 per month. That's cheaper than drinking two lattes a month at Starbucks. Go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. Back in 2008, Brazil formulated its national defense strategy, selecting the construction of a nuclear submarine as one of its priorities. The plan was budgeted at 32 billion Brazilian reais in current values and was set to be concluded by 2027. This ambitious plan was reiterated four years later, when the government drafted what became known as Brazil's White Book on National Defense. The submarine would allow the country to, quote, considerably elevate Brazil's presence in the South Atlantic. Critics of this project say that Brazil should use the money for more pressing needs, especially in a country with high poverty rates and where half of the population has no access to basic sewage. But Brazil is also one of the world's top 10 economies and controls an immense maritime area. 
it is essential to effectively monitor it. The recent massive oil spill in the Northeast region is proof of how important it is to oversee a country's territorial sea. The nuclear submarine is part of a larger project. It includes four other conventional vessels with diesel-electric propulsion, and the vessels are being built in partnership with French defense company Naval Group. In December 2018, the first of these vessels hit the water for testing. And to find out more about Brazil's nuclear submarine program, we spoke to Anne Bianchi, Naval Group Submarine Program Director. So we are doing quite many things on this project. Uh, we are participating in the construction of conventional submarines in Itaguaí. For our readers not familiar with Brazilian geography, Itaguaí is a city in Rio's metropolitan area. And we are also uh, giving assistance to the Brazilian Navy for designing the nuclear submarine in Sao Paulo. So for the, the program which involves my company, so which is in the frame of the, uh, of the partnership that was, uh, that was launched in 2008, uh, we have five submarines concerned. So four of them are conventional submarine. Conventional submarine means uh, diesel electric propulsion. These conventional submarines are French design, naval group design, and four of them are being built entirely in Itaguaí. The first one will start its sea trial in the following weeks. Uh, the second one uh, is in the, the end of the integration process. We had a big ceremony with the president of Brazil on the 11th of October for this second submarine. And what is this integration phase? Uh, integration phase, let's say we have three phases in the submarine. The first phase is the construction of the hull and structures. The second phase is when you put all the equipment and networks, electrical networks, pipe, ventilation uh, inside the submarine. This is the second phase, which I called integration. And uh, during this phase, we, we also do the junctions of the, the different uh, hull elements sections, hull sections. And the third phase is, is the test and trials. So it begins with a harbor test and trial, and then we do sea test and trials. And when the sea trials are completed, we deliver the ship to the, uh, in this case, to the Brazilian Navy. And for us not familiar with how submarines work, what are the main practical differences between a nuclear submarine and a conventional one? Uh, a conventional submarine, like the one we're building now in Itaguaí, they need to go to the surface uh, every two to five days, depending on the on the mission. So their stealthness is uh, is uh, the, the, when they go to the surface, they can be detected. The nuclear submarine it can stay under the water for several weeks. The limit is the people. How, how long will the people uh, bear to be under the water? But there's no technical limit. And uh, what are the main challenges of building a nuclear submarine? Uh, a nuclear submarine, the, com the complexity is, uh, has uh, several reasons. It's not just the construction, actually. I would say that the construction phase is, uh, is not the most complex one. Uh, what is more complex is to, to design all the system together. Because uh, a nuclear submarine, we have a, an electric nuclear plant 
uh, inside of uh, of uh, of the hull, which is going seven hundreds of meter under the water. So first of all, everything has to fit in the hull. It's a it's a very big constraint because the hull is small. So so the nuclear plant we have some uh, size issues which are difficult to uh, uh, to overcome, and all the system must fit in this hull. So we have an integration issues, and we have very different complex system. We have a combat system, we have the, the nuclear plant, we have uh, the propulsion system. We have different complex system uh, which have to be designed. Uh, at the same time, with this integration co uh, constraint, everything has to fit in the hull. So first of all, it's a big engineering challenge before it becomes a construction challenge. Uh, all these systems, they, they have their own development process. Some of them have to be in, uh, tested in uh, uh, dedicated facility, for example, uh, for the propulsion of the nuclear submarine, we are discussing with the Brazilian Navy where we're going to test this uh, uh, this propulsion system. But we need a, a shore facility, which has to be uh, designed, built, uh, and the tests have to be performed before we integrate in the submarine. So it, it's a system issue. It's not just a, a construction issue. I don't know if I'm clear. And in the case of the nuclear submarine, the Brazilian Navy is developing itself its own nuclear plant so it's a project in itself and we have all this project the nuclear plant project the submarine project all the complex system which has to be test on shore and uh, when everything is ready we launch the construction and then we have the schedule of the construction that's fascinating i mean but in France, nuclear power is at the core of your energy matrix. And in Brazil, it only makes up a tiny part of the country's electricity productions. So do you see a big learning curve for us in that aspect? First of all, in the history of uh, France, we, we made a submarine propulsion reactor before we did the electricity uh, nuclear plants. First of all, secondly, the technologies are quite different because for the submarine, we have a, a, a space constraint, which is enormous. So, so there is a parallel, of course, between uh, uh, elect electro-nuclear plants and submarine propulsion plants, but it's quite different technologies because of the space constraint. What is the scope of the transfer of technology from the naval group's know-how to Brazil? The PROSUP program, it does not involve only the nuclear aspect, because the nuclear is the final achievement of the project. Our transfer of technology, it has four aspects. The first aspect, the first aspect was for the design of the naval base, the, the shipyard where the, where the submarines are being built and where they will be operate in the future. Uh, so Naval Group has made a transfer of technology for the design of this naval base and for the commissioning of all the systems. So first of all, we had a, a transfer of technology for infrastructure. Second aspect, transfer of technology for the construction of the submarine, which is what we are doing now in Itaguaí. And now uh, the company Itaguaí Construções Navais uh, has already completed the construction of the first conventional submarine. So this transfer of technology for construction, it's uh, almost achieved. You were talking about competences. We're in Rio. Loads of our technologies are uh, 
uh, of course, they're more evolved, they're more requiring, but uh, they're not so different from uh, oil and gas technology. So we benefited from uh, the skills that are available in Rio for the oil and gas industry, which was, I think, quite important. For example, we have welders, we have pipe, uh, people that are doing pipe. Uh, this exists in the oil and gas also. So in terms of competences, it was good for us to be close to Rio where these competences exist. So construction is the second aspect of our technology transfer. Transfer. Third aspect is for equipment. In our organization, Naval Group is supplying all the equipment to the Brazilian Navy, but we have some, uh, we must have some equipment manufactured in Brazil. It's one of the requirements that the Navy expressed at the beginning of the project. So we have to transfer technology so that industrial uh, Brazilian manufacturers can build equipment dedicated to submarine. Uh, we have about uh, 40 uh, industries, uh, manufacturers involved in the project. And for some of, it, some of them, we will buy standard product that they have already, but for some of them, most of them actually, we have to explain to them what are the specificity of the submarine, how to comply with the specific requirements of uh, the equipment for submarine. For example, a valve, a valve for a submarine, it will have uh, different uh, uh, requirements than a valve for the oil and gas. So probably we will select a company that does valves for the oil and gas, and we will do some transfer of technology to them so that they will meet the requirement of the submarine. So this is the third aspect of transfer of technology we are performing. It's for equipment. And the fourth of them, which is very specific for, for Naval Group, Naval Group has never done them this uh, elsewhere in the world, and it's not planned that we will do this uh, elsewhere in the world in the near future. It's the transfer of technology for design, complete technology from design, so that uh, we taught to the Brazilian how to design a submarine from scratch so that they can do their own nuclear submarine. In all the past of Naval Group, we have done some, uh, some uh, transfer of technology for design, but we have never assisted a foreign navy to design their old submarine from scratch. This never happens, and this is what we are doing here with the Brazilian Navy in Sao Paulo. Is there any aspect of Brazil's nuclear submarine program that is specific to Brazil as opposed to other countries? But the French Navy main or only mission is to, to sail and to, to do some uh, maritime operations. The Brazilian Navy has very different missions from the French Navy. The Brazilian Navy has uh, uh, industrial missions, uh, it has uh, technological missions, and um, the equivalent of the missions of the French Navy, which is uh, sailing and protecting the, the, uh, the territorial waters and, uh, and uh, defending the, the, uh, the sovereignty of the nation at sea. Uh, Brazilian Navy is, uh, is, is having technologies, is wanting to develop its own technologies, and it's also wanting to develop uh, industrial, industrial capacity, which is not the case of most of the navies in the world, which leave this with the industrial company. This is something that's important to understand. The Brazilian Navy does not only want to have and operate submarine, the Brazilian Navy wants to develop the capacity to design, build, and operate the submarines. 
And Anna, before I let you go, I have to ask you about the recent spats between the presidents of our countries, Jair Bolsonaro and Emmanuel Macron. Uh, did this deterioration in diplomatic relations affect the Brazil-French cooperation on the submarine? Our activity, it's a long-term program. We started in 2008. There were quite many political changes in France and Brazil uh, till that time. Uh, let's say that the strategic partnership uh, between the Brazilian Navy and the French Navy and the French DGA uh, is continuing. Anne Bianchi is Naval Group Submarine Program Director. Thank you for joining us. Explaining Brazil is brought to you by The Brazilian Report. This episode was written by me, Gustavo Ribeiro. Laura Kiran produced this show. Ewan Marshall edits the final script. If you like our show, remember that the best way to support this podcast is by subscribing to The Brazilian Report. You can enjoy a seven days, no strings attached, free trial before committing to a subscription. You only need to add your credit card number after you decide to subscribe. And we're pretty confident you will. Go to brazilian.report/slash subscribe. That's all for now, and I will see you next week.